Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Central Texas Living with Ann Arden. Well, it is a joy to welcome Rebecca Nall to uh, the podcast today. She is the Assistant Director of Communications for the Mayburn Museum Complex at Baylor University. Rebecca, good to see you. It's good to see you. I tell you what, you were on Central Texas Living, the TV show, Many times. Yes, it was always a pleasure. It was always so much fun. I mean, you brought puppets, and we talked Titanic, and so many amazing exhibits at the Mayburn. And it was always so good to let people know that this wonderful museum is there. Yes, um, we're, we think we're a wonderful community resource. It feels kind of bragging to say. Well, it's not. No, not if it's true. But we have, um, there's always so much going on at the museum, so there's always plenty to talk about. Yeah, so uh, you, you've had big, major things, like I think Titanic. Uh, what do you have coming up this summer that we need to know about? Well, I think this summer we're having a big exhibit, but maybe in a different way. We're going to host um, Paw Patrol Adventure Play. Uh, that's based on a, a Nickelodeon uh, television series that's pretty popular with the preschool crowd. Um, it, the exhibit was developed by the Children's Museum of Indianapolis, which uh, we've rented a lot of exhibits from them throughout the years. They're always um, very good quality. There's a lot of uh, learning opportunities in the exhibits, as well as um, generally topics that you know might appeal to um, children and families. Well, let's talk about kids. So you're saying this is really for the little bitty ones. What, you know, what's there for say the uh, the older children and even adults? Well, we really have um, something for everyone at the museum. Uh, Paw Patrol is probably, you know, preschool, early elementary school is really what it's geared towards. But we have um, our natural and cultural history exhibits that can um, appeal to families and adults that just want to come in and and check out the exhibits and learn more about the flora and fauna and the history of um, this region that we're in. And it'll lead, those exhibits will lead you out to our historic village, which is um, nine wood-framed buildings that represent life in a a small community in the 1890s. So most of those buildings you can walk in. We have audio tours um, throughout the exhibit, so you can dig into the information a little bit more if you, you know, there are different museum visitors that might want, you know, more or less information. And it's, um, it's a really very immersive experience. We also have a multi-floor hands-on discovery center 
which is good for, you know, the little ones. But we have a, a five and under space called Play Waco where you can experience, you know, life in Waco. You can go to H-E-B and go grocery shopping. Um, you can put on a play at the Hippodrome. Like you're watching a movie. You can deliver the mail. So that's a pretty fun for our early learners. But we're um, but we've made some other improvements that might appeal to to the older kids. We just opened a backyard ecology exhibit in October that is geared more to fourth to sixth grade, and it kind of brings the outdoors inside. It talks. Um, we feature some Baylor research that's taking place on campus in the exhibit. We integrated our live animal displays in a more meaningful way, and we also have a, a learning area over there that that will feature actual researchers from Baylor. So they generally come over several times a month, and we have someone. I talked to someone earlier this week um, about mosquitoes. She Ooh. brought mosquito larvae. <laughs> Ooh. And, uh, but it was very interesting. She talked about the difference between. <laughs> Get the raid, quick. <laughs> <laughs> she talked about the difference between male and female mm-hmm. um, mosquitoes. And mos- female mosquitoes are actually the ones that bite you. Yeah. And they're larger. And so we were having a conversation, and there was about a fourth grade boy who came over and was interested, and um, he was paying attention and looked at the mosquito larvae, and she gave us a quiz um, on, you know, gave us a picture of a male and female mosquito and, you know, asked which one was which, and, and he knew the answer, and he was very excited. So it's fun. My children have really enjoyed being able to inter- interact with the scientists that we bring to the museum. So you've got a two-year-old and a five-year-old. Yes. Both girls. Both girls. I have granddaughters who are going to be seven and uh, two that are four that are cousins. So uh, they love the Mayburn when they come to town. And that's the first thing we think to do when they when they come because they, they, re- they really love the little shopping area with the H-E-B mm-hmm. uh, carts. that. One of their favorite, they love um, with the music instruments. They said the stepping on the piano oh, yes. keys and you know all that area, the, mm-hmm. all the interactive stuff. Now we're talking a lot about disease, and so what? What do you have in place for? Because these kids are touching and handling all this stuff. Yes, well, um, so the the museum is part of Baylor University, and the Baylor housekeeping kind of ramps up their efforts every year or during flu season. And so they have a special disinfectant, and they make sure that they're hitting different contact points, you know, doorknobs, um, different, you know, bathrooms um, with this, you know, during their regular cleaning schedule. But they're just, you know, a little bit more. And then we have um, internally in the museum have a, a pretty regimented schedule for um, for disinfecting. And we're just making sure that we're reviewing that. We're cleaning a little bit more just to make sure people feel comfortable bringing, um, you know, themselves or children um, to the museum that it's a safe space what what are your numbers like uh, as far as attendance uh so our titanic year was the largest year mm-hmm. that we had obviously that brought a lot of people in and people who had never been to the museum before and that year we had um more than one hundred and ninety-five thousand people visit the museum wow i think this year um we'll probably see about 165 to 170,000 which is great. We're happy with that. When the museum opened in 2004, um, we were seeing less than 100,000. So we're just continuing to grow as more and more people find out about us. And we're hoping to, you know, continue that even more to be seen as a as a regional museum because we are a good size for this area. Yeah, I'm reading some of the comments um, when I was looking online at TripAdvisor and things like mm-hmm. that that you can easily go to. Um, 
comments were, you know, it was a surprise, you know, mm-hmm. how, how big the museum was and how, you know, how comprehensive it was for, for kids and for adults, too. Um, of course, I remember back in the days where Strecker Museum was what we had at Baylor. You, you probably <laughs> you don't remember any, any of that, but that was um, that was the gist of the museum for Baylor University. And um, now to have the Mayburn and, and when it was being built, I remember walking through that second floor and thinking, bring on the grandkids. This is going to be so great. And now here we are, and my granddaughters do love the Mayburn. But let's talk a little bit about you. Okay. Yeah, I was reading an article that um, the Wacoan did, the wonderful Gretchen Eichenberg had, had done an interview with you, and it was some years ago. Yes. And she talked to you about, about the juggling of, of life as a wife and mom, and your firstborn was just a year old at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, say, now you got two. I do. How have things changed uh, for you, uh, older and wiser? How, how have has anything changed as far as what you're having to do as a wife and mom? Well, I think you know life is constantly evolving and changing. It's some of it's you know more of the same, and some of it's new. As you figure out how adding another person to your family um, affects things, but we're kind of you know we're definitely in the groove now. Um, she's our youngest is almost three. Uh, so it's almost hard to remember how life was before she joined us. Um, it's it's a juggle. I have sometimes a weird schedule. My husband has a weird schedule, but um, but we're able to make it work through good communication and a little extra planning and and understanding. Yeah, um, as you say, when you have. T- two adults with uh, very different career mm-hmm. paths um, make making all that work with a family can be mm-hmm. a can be a big challenge uh, how did you get to Waco in the first place well I went to the University of Texas for my undergraduate and I really I wanted to major in history really because that's always that was my passion um, in high school and and in college and I really, you know, wanted to come up with a career that I felt would um, be allow, allow me to use that um, in some way. And so I was researching different career opportunities, and I didn't necessarily want to be in academia. Um, but I, you know, the museum field just called to me. And so I started doing some internships in Austin and um, and really felt like that's what I wanted to do. So I explored, um, so I went to graduate school at Texas Tech in the museum uh, science program and um, completed that. And coming to Waco was really one of my first jobs out of graduate school. Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Did you ever dream that you'd stick with it now all these, all these I, years? I didn't. I mean, I, I, I knew I was going to explore the field, but the but the path that my job has taken um, at the Mayborn Museum has been a surprise to me. But I've enjoyed every minute of it, and I love um, I love working at the museum, and I love how how the Mayborn has evolved over the years, and how there's always something new to to learn, and um, you know, yeah, and you, just offer to the community. You told me you're going to be doing research watching Paw Patrol, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Not Who everybody. Who gets to do that? <laughs> Who gets to do that? What What do you uh, and your family, what do you all like to do for fun, just for hobbies and stuff? I mean, I would say, let's go to the museum. Let's go to the Mayburn. But We do go to the museum a lot. 
And I'll ask my children as it's coming to the weekend what we want to do. And they always say they want to go to the do museum. They? And sometimes I try to get them to want to go to the zoo instead. Because I do love the museum. But so I was, I was there all week. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to the zoo. And they love the zoo as well. But they always want to go to the museum. Yeah, it's um, there are a lot of things to do mm-hmm. around town for uh, for little ones. Lots of opportunities uh, for that. A typical day for you looks like what? Uh, there's really not that many typical days. <laughs> um, my my job is pretty varied, and I work with um, a lot of different folks at the museum. I work with uh, visitor services as well as marketing and the museum store and museum membership. So there's always. Um, you know, new challenges. And, we, and, you know, we work together to pick the, the traveling exhibits that we get. So there's new research about how to, um, you know, what the exhibit's going to be, you know, have to watch Paw Patrol. Um, and, um, you know, talking about how we're going to get this great information out to the public, how right. we're going to offer the best customer service to those who walk in the door. Uh, so yeah, it's different every day. Well, let's talk a little bit then about the nuts and bolts of it. I know that, um, you really would like folks to have memberships because yes. that's really the best bang for your buck if you're mm-hmm. going to come a lot to the museum. Yes, it is. Uh, we have a we have a good membership program, and um, they you know start are relatively inexpensive. Our family membership is uh, ninety five dollars for a family, so it's two named adults in the same household as well as um, all of the family or all of the children in the household. That's great. And um, you get, you know, unlimited general admission to the museum for an entire year for that. Sometimes we have um, events or exhibits that might cost a little bit extra, but you always get, you know, a pretty hefty discount if you're a museum member. And we have grandparent memberships that are also very popular. Um, you know, we've, with uh, spring break around, you, you see a lot of grandparents taking um, their um, grandchildren to the museum because the parents are at work and they're helping out. Sure. Um, and so that's only $85, and that includes all of the grand- grandchildren in the household. So I talked to someone the other day on the phone, and they had um, nine grandchildren. Oh, my goodness. And so, um, you know, they, you know, take turns bringing, sure. you know, the different um, – you know, children from different families to the museum with them as a as a treat. Well, of course, summer's coming up, and I know mm-hmm. some of my uh, fellow grandparents have like camp gran mm-hmm. or camp nana or whatever, and the, all the kids come, you know, and they're always looking for things for them to do. Um, you also have uh, a free admission day, right? We do. We have um, we have three community days a year mm-hmm. that are free, and they're at different times of the year. We have one on a Saturday in May and a Sunday in September and a Monday in January. Okay. So just kind of be on the lookout for that. Yes. All the dates are listed on our website for this year, but we have a lot of other, of, um, you know, reduced or free admission opportunities for those that need it. Mm -hmm. Um, including, uh, library passes. We've worked with the, the libraries in town, um, the McLennan County libraries, as well as the Hewitt library, and so we have a certain number of passes at each branch that people can check out. And do you still have something in conjunction with the mammoth exhibit for kids that do a badge or something? I was reading yes. something about that. It's the junior ranger badge. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think that's the fourth graders can okay. complete a junior ranger badge at the Waco Mammoth site. 
and then they will get free admission to the museum after completion. And you have birthday party capabilities. And also, I think I saw that uh, folks could even bring a picnic lunch if they wanted to have something at the village. Is that still true? Yes. uh, We, so I just I just left the museum to come and meet you, and it's a beautiful day outside. Yeah, and we have picnic tables in the in the historic village, mm-hmm. and so it's a great place to come to come and bring your lunch. And um, we have um, tables in the museum too. Whenever weather is bad, I see a lot of families pack their lunch and play. That's been, um, you know, we love for families to bring lunch, but we'd also all love to be able to provide a food option to families who come. We recently opened a Common Grounds coffee shop in the museum store, and they are shortly going to start providing, um, having sandwiches for sale. So we are very excited about that. So if families, you know, got here and realized because they felt it was a surprise that there was so much to do and they didn't quite want to leave, but they needed to feed their kids, mm-hmm. we have an, we'll have an option for them. So we are just thrilled about that and our partnership with Common Grounds. Oh, man, so much happening there. Just have a a tiny bit of time left, and I wanted to, so folks know, this is the very first interview on the podcast, and so I'm going to try something out, and we'll see see how this goes. And you you know the wonderful uh, interviewer, James Lipton, just passed away Mm -hmm. not too long ago, had inside the actor's studio, and I loved his show, and I love that he always ended it uh, with an interview. A series of questions. Uh, it was a combination, really, of questions from Bernard Pivot, who hosted a popular TV show called Apostrophe, if I'm saying that right. And he based the questions from Marcel Proust. And um, this is my edited version of these uh, questions. What's your favorite word? Oh, wow, that's hard. <laughs> Sorry. I popped this on you, didn't I? Yikes. The one that keeps popping to my mind right now is book. Okay. Um, I don't know if that's a good word, but I do. I love reading and um, I'm always reading, you know, two or three books at a time, whether it be, you know, something related to work or, you know, the fiction book or a nonfiction book. And I um, love reading to my children at night and they have a, they have a huge passion for books and we, we read so much. We have, they have more than I even counted the other day, like 150 books. Okay. What do you have a least favorite word then? Something you don't like to hear. I don't, I don't like the word nasty. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. What, what turns you on creatively, spiritually or emotionally? I might go back to reading for that as well. I mean, there's always, you know, new ideas that can be learned from books. Um, if it is a fiction book or a nonfiction book, um, just new ideas to explore. What sound do you love the most? I like birds chirping in oh. trees. Mm, and what sound do you least like to hear? Um, the sound of my children screaming at me <laughs> to wake up on early on Saturday mornings. <laughs> yeah, especially on a day you could sleep in. Okay, so you obviously love your work. Mm-hmm. You've been there at the museum for 12, 12 years. 12 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, what other profession would you have wanted to try? I d- whenever I was... In junior high or high school, I thought I wanted to be a journalist. So I, I was thinking about that because I did enjoy reading so much. I, you know, toyed around with the idea about being a journalist or mm. a novelist. Uh, what job do you know you would not want to do? Um, anywhere in healthcare, <laughs> though I do appreciate. Oh yeah, those people that can do that. I know. Um, yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah. 
Okay, finally, uh, what do you want to hear God say to you when you hit the pearly gates? I know that you tried your hardest. I'm, I'm always working on improving, and I want, um, I just, you know, I have a difficult time, you know, sitting still and not, you know, always trying trying something new and trying to do better at what I'm what I'm working on. Well, you're doing a fabulous job. Rebecca, thank you so much thank for you. being with us today and I'll see you at the museum. Can't wait. It is a delight to welcome Laura and Tim Luce to the CTL podcast today. Relatively new residents in Central Texas, and their story really that brings them here is such an interesting one. Tim is a doctor doing his medical residency in family medicine, and uh, Laura is with KXXV in their traffic department. And I had a chance meeting with you, and you shared with me your story. And I love stories of people who have sort of reinvented their lives. (laughs) <laughs> and that's what happened, right, Dr. Yes. Tim? That is exactly true. So what? So you decided at not a young age to become a doctor? Uh, yes, I did. To the degree that I decided, it was kind of a calling, really, that surprised me, I think, as much as anyone else. But I was 46 years old when I was a uh, vice president at Bank of America in their corporate strategy and finance department. And uh, one morning... I just thought, okay, now's the time. I always wanted to be in medicine since my first time through college. And, and um, all of a sudden it was time to go. So then I just had to talk to her about it. <laughs> yeah, big change exactly. in your lifestyle, right? Yes, exactly. Um, you go from two six-figure incomes. How do, how do we go to, from that to one? And what does it look like? You know, you have to downsize a lot of things that you don't even really realize. You take for granted all the little things that you spend money on that you probably shouldn't anymore when you're going through this kind of a journey. You know, it, it, it's a long journey. It's, it's a good 10 or 11 years to, from where we started to where we are now. All right. So you were what age again when you decided? I was at 46. 46. And um, you started college basically over as a freshman right because you've been a business major I presume yes um, and any science classes I had taken were 20 years old so they needed to be redone um, so I started back at uh, the community college in Tarrant County and took general chemistry a freshman chemistry class and off I went I had labs and the whole bit uh, just to see if I could still do it and uh, and it went really well Good. I mean, you never had any doubts when you got going? You Once know? I started, it was what I don't think people realize is that college is a lot more fun the second time around. <laughs> uh, it really is because you're much more focused. You know exactly why you're there. Um, a lot of the ancillary things going on in life that are happening at 18 and 19 and 20 years old, um, we had already been long past those things. We had a few of our own unique challenges, I suppose, but it was a lot more fun the second time around. Okay, other family members in on this decision? Uh, they were grown and out, out of the house. So <laughs> okay, it was let's a, talk about right. those family members. A couple cats. and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, doing, doing this journey, and to be honest with you, you really need a good support system, and mm-hmm. that could be a family member, that could be a group leader at church that could be your closest friends or you know uh, neighbors um, or all of the above exactly all of the above is definitely our case for us and 
having my close friends and my church involvement uh, kept me going through the tough times of him being in school and being gone. Um, one little thing he's not mentioning is after he actually got into medicine in medical school at A&M, he had to live away from me for two years. Oh, no, I did not know that. Yeah, so we were, wow. yeah, we were Keller residents, and his school was down in Temple. Well, sure. And so yeah. the commute was a little too much on a daily basis, as you can imagine. So mm-hmm. he lived away for the first two years of medical school, and, and I stayed back in Keller where our home was. and, and You were working. Our work, still. and yes, our church. and yeah, We owned our home in Keller, so we, we maintained that, and I rented a, a little 100-plus-year-old farmhouse out in the middle of 65 acres and just outside of Temple. And commuted home on most weekends and um, drove through Waco. Either way, had no idea that this is where the whole thing would end up. <laughs> really? Really? So, all right. So you go, you start out a freshman, you take biology and all that stuff you've got to take. You Four years, I presume, to get through that. Yes, I took four of years. It. I finished at the uh, University of North Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took a full year of upper division, just pure science. And, uh, and it went really well. Um, applied, took my entrance exams and that sort of thing. What, the MCAT? Is that what they call it? The MCAT, yes. Yeah. Um, and then two weeks after I put in my application, Texas A&M called. And that was my first interview. Um, I knew instantly uh, as I walked out of the interview day, it was the perfect day. I just thought this is the place. I had no idea why. <laughs> of course, then again, I had to tell her. Uh, I think I'm going to be spending some time in Temple for a while. (laughs) I was just excited um, to see the excitement in him again. It's like a whole new light turned on in him when he actually started walking this journey uh, to become a doctor. Um, He is having so much fun in it, and he's met some amazing people along the way that have just uh, inspired us as well. And just to see that light uh, illuminate out of him again has just been a blessing. And so you... Did how many years of of um, med school? Was it four? Four years. Four mm-hmm. years of med school at um, through yes, Bay- was, Baylor Scott and White. Yes, well, was, at Texas A and M. Yes, through Texas A and M. It was two years in Temple, mm-hmm. and then uh, the second two years were at Baylor University Medical Center in in Dallas. Okay, the, so you're back the home. The big Baylor. Yeah, yes. you're back home. Oh, so then the next step is, I mean, by then you are doctor. I graduated, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the second time that I was in College Station was the day that I graduated. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the, right, right. Um, and graduated and then applied to residency. Um, I took a year and spent some time in surgery um, and preparing the application and that sort of thing. And then we applied here. I had uh, a couple of friends of mine that I graduated with were already at the program here in Waco. And uh, just knowing them and his heart for medicine and how well it worked for him, I knew that it worked for me. So uh, we applplied and interviewed at I don't know seven or eight places, I think. Oh, did you? Yes, we did. All and over the country or pretty much I, primarily in, this, in Texas in this region, yeah. I have a thing that I think that if you've gone to a public medical school in Texas, I think that you owe it to the people of Texas to very to good. practice there. Yeah. Um, but, and we also interviewed at, what, Cheyenne, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, it was, it just, everything just worked. Um, I, I think that God all, had all this planned out. And so it was, our job was just to get on the right roads. And 
Well, it seems like all the pieces are in place for you. And uh, when we chatted a little bit, um, Laura, you told me that you, you've had a heart for missions too. And so is, does that figure in to your wanting to be a doctor? Absolutely. Yes. Um, I, I enjoy medicine so much that it's uh, kind of a matter of, uh, it, it's what I would want to do on vacation. Some people like to go to Disneyland. I like to go to the operating room oh, wow. <laughs> or, <laughs> or where okay. or just in clinic. Um, and so it's, it's just something I like to do for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I just, and it's pure medicine. Um, there's no insurance companies or anything involved. It's just, it's very pure. Um, and so I am interesting. I'd never heard it referred to that way. Sure. Um, it's just see the patient and and it's all about the patient. Right. Um, but it's, we've been to the same place. I've been to Guatemala twice. Um, we've never been there together. Mm -hmm. We have yet to go on a mission trip together as a couple. Um, prior to moving to Waco, we were involved with Gateway Church up in South Mm -hmm. Lake and, part of their global ministries, and I was very blessed to volunteer there uh, my time, my free time, um, when I can, and I was asked on multiple times to lead some of their mission trips. They go 30 to 40 places per year. Oh, my, yeah. And each one needs a couple leaders and, and logistic leaders, but, you know, to be exact. And so that was my role, was to be the logistic leader, put the trip together, see it through, and actually go on it and lead it in country. And so I was blessed to do that. I've been to every continent now except two, Australia or Antarctica are the two I have not visited. Um, but my heart is being out in the world and just helping people at their greatest needs, wherever that be, whatever that need is, wherever that location is, is mm-hmm. just go and meet them where they're at. And I think that's kind of been our story is Tim's the same way as a doctor. He likes to see his patients right where their need is at. Sure. And so it, it kind of balances out. So how long will you be in the program in Waco? It's through your program. Mm-hmm. So we are... And you just started, really. In July. Uh, right. Relatively. Right. Not yeah. quite a year. Yeah. Their their year is July to July. So um, we're probably, what, three quarters of the way through the first year now? Well, you have a very rigorous schedule. Uh, you were showing me, Laura, you know, yeah, because you get a schedule. Yes, I do. And you said you can go two weeks and not see them. Mm-hmm. Yes. I guess that beats the two years. <laughs> exactly. It does. I mean, in another nice city, to know. but... It's nice to know he comes home and he, you know, he, home. He, he can still sleep in his bed and, you know, change his clothes and shower. But yeah, yeah but this is the t- this is kind of the really arduous part from what I understand, you know, as you really get put through your paces as a doctor. You do. I've been in the military. I've been in um, corporate America. And uh, this is absolutely the, the toughest job that I've had so far. Um, but it's also absolutely the most rewarding. It's um a lot of highs and lows, and and uh, I always say that medicine teaches you. It can make you feel like the smartest guy in the room, and it can make you feel like the dumbest guy in the room, <laughs> and it will do both regularly <laughs> each day. So, yeah. Um, but it's it's uh, it, you put out a lot, but you get a lot out of it. So yeah. Do you have any advice for somebody who's maybe kind of like you in their mid forties, thinking I'd I'd really like to be a doctor? You'd recommend it. I certainly would. Yeah. But um, I, I would say follow your calling. If, if that's what you've been tapped on the shoulder your whole life to do, then, then uh, it'll happen. Uh, the first thing, though, is you have to have amazing support. And so obviously that's where I've been blessed first and foremost is um, that support because without that, 
we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation. <laughs> well, yeah, I just from having met you briefly in this conversation, though, I can tell your bedside manner will be amazing for a patient, no matter you know what what situation they find themselves in. It's been a delight to get to visit with you, but I want to end our interview this as a curveball I'm going to throw at you. Okay. And uh, it's uh, a version, my version, of uh, the late James Lipton's questions he used to use on Inside the Actor's Studio. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, yes. Yeah, you know. Familiar. That, did, I just love that part of that show. It was a compilation of questions from Bernard Pivot and Marcel Proust. And um, this is my version. So what's your favorite word? Yes. <laughs> All right. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if I have a favorite, but yes comes close and love. What about least favorite word? Uh, we can't. That's two words. Well. With a contraction. Yeah, but. okay. <laughs> um, for me, the least favorite word is no. <laughs> okay, there you go. What? All right, what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Anytime that I feel like I am right in the center of where I'm supposed to be, it's a incredibly energizing and empowering place to be. For me, it's don't put boundaries on me. Give me the tools, tell me what you want, and get out of my way. So there's that famous quote of, you know, either you're standing by me, on the side of me, or in front of me, choose wisely. <laughs> Good. What sound do you most love? There, when I get to deliver a baby, oh. and that baby takes the first cry. Oh my! <laughs> it's it's pretty amazing. I, and I also like fly fishing streams. So if I hear a, oh, a yeah, river flowing kind of over sound the, of yeah, a there, yes river flowing over <laughs> rocks is is right up there. That's pretty good. All right, Laura. For me, I've actually got two. And one is the ocean rolling in on mm-hmm. the beach. And the second one is kind of a strange one for probably me, but I love to hear an aircraft carrier jet go off of a of an aircraft carrier. It's just that, that r- rumbling jet taking off. And I personally would love to go off an aircraft carrier. <laughs> okay. All so, right. So like. so what, what sound do you not like? Uh, one is... Uh, trains in the middle of the night <laughs> probably be one that I don't care okay. for or really loud engines of any kind. All right, so just the op- opposite here. <laughs> Plane engines, jet wine is okay. But, oh, okay. But for me, I, I don't really have a sound I don't like. I'm not fond of small yippy dogs barking. <laughs> okay. There's, you probably have a lot of company on that one. Um, what other profession would you like to try? Now, you you did this some 10 years ago. You mm. said, okay, I'm going to try another profession. I think after this, after I've been a doctor for 40 years, I'm going to try and be an astronaut, I think. Would there, be you go. there you go. There you go. Well, this is actually, you know, my third career since I've started, but um, I really just, I'm looking forward to retirement. That was one of our arrangements, so... If that's actually a profession, I'm not sure. But I don't see myself sitting around doing, you know, nothing. I plan to be busy. Yes. Yeah. I identify with that. Um, What job do you know you would not want to do? I don't think I would want to be an auditor of any kind. (sighs) Yeah. For me, call center. I don't want to sit in a box and sit at a desk and answer phones all day. Okay. So the final one, what do you want to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? 
welcome home and we have all the chocolate that you want. <laughs> I think for me, it's, I, I hope I hear, we've been waiting for you. Mm. Well, you have been a delight. Thank you so much. I know you're supposed to be studying for a test. I mean, your time is very, very valuable, uh, Dr. Luce, but I appreciate so much you sharing your story with us today. And Laura, you're such a wonderful support for him. And uh, what, a, what a beautiful couple you are. Thank you both. Thank, well, thank, you. thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. Central Texas Living is part of the Rogue Media Network family. Be sure to check out their other shows at RogueMediaNetwork.com. Please rate us five stars on iTunes and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Join us again soon for more Central Texas Living, the podcast. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.